Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I. Now, into the episode, and it's a juicy one. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House with me and the incredible Dr. Perry Mack, relationship expert and clinical psychologist. Today, we are discussing all things Kourtney Kardashian, Travis Barker, and WTF is going on. You know, (laughs) we've gone from this Kourtney Kardashian who was incredibly cold, boundaried, not very emotional, definitely not very sexual. We saw her and her ex-boyfriend, Scott Disick, really engage in much affection whatsoever through to a whirlwind romance where 11 months after starting to date Travis Barker, we cannot stop seeing them climbing on top of each other, whether it's breakfast, whether it's lunch, (laughs) whether it's dinner, whether it's whether it's in the bathroom at the VMAs or whether it's at someone else's wedding which is what came out very recently you know she was straddling him on a sofa okay it was his birthday okay his song was playing at the wedding it just felt for me in that moment like you are dry humping your boyfriend at a special and sacred occasion that is not about you. We're going to talk today about how she's changed her identity, how it almost feels like she's a slightly different person to who she was before. And I'm sure there's both positive and potentially some slightly concerning things about that. And I think we're also going to discuss the concept of your relationship, how it's perceived from the outside world, which we touched upon in the Zane and Gigi episode, versus working on it on the inside and privacy and et cetera, et cetera. We can't get away from this over-sexualization, the dry humping at breakfast. I think I just want to ask you, as a clinical psychologist, what is going on here? <laughs> well, I can't say for sure, right? We can only I wish you could. I wish I you could. I just need to know what they're thinking. I would love to have them in my office, trust me. <laughs> Um, they'd be be on the sofa literally you'd be like guys guys, you you sit on that chair and you sit on that chair yes (laughs) I need a physical divider I mean I think you know one thing that's going on is it seems clear that they feel very safe with each other to express their affection they're obviously very attracted to each other which you know safety attraction those are all great things But like you said, at a certain point, I think the problematic parts could be how much of this is contrived for their image? What are they trying to present to the world versus what is actually going on in the relationship? And this is what we get from them all the time. We do get some sweet posts as well, but there's so much sexualization and PDA. And as we know, that's not going to last. They're in the honeymoon phase. So if this is the brand of their relationship, if this is what people know them for, and this is what they're presenting to the world, what comes next? 
And are they actually focused on building something deeper than just this like over the top, sexy, sexualized relationship? And we don't know because we don't know what goes on on the inside. But the other piece of that is if they're so focused on presenting this sexy, sexualized image to the world, is it impacting their judgment? Is this really how they want to show up? Either each of them individually or them as a couple, are they making decisions they're going to feel good about later on? And, you know, we don't know that. And there's always the danger too, when there's the public eye on you and it it could be the public eye, it could be, you know, the family eye or people in our lives that really want our relationship to work. And they're telling a story about our relationship. Like these two have the perfect relationship. They're so good together. If we get caught up in that story and telling that story, then we neglect to really tend to the relationship and all the complicated layers that happen when we're in a close romantic relationship with somebody. So those are the things that I get concerned about with these two. It feels like there's a lot of potential there, but are they tending to all the parts of a relationship that you need to tend to, or are they too busy kind of presenting this certain image to the world? Mm, yeah I love that and I think that I felt very similarly about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly who are another couple you know they're kind of sidekicks of Courtney and Travis I felt very similar about them everything was very over sexualized but then I watched this video that they did with GQ it was like 20 questions or 50 questions or something and if you guys listening haven't watched it I really would because it changed my whole perspective on them as a couple it was so heartwarming the charismatic like friendship the deep deep bond that those two hold together the way that they talk about the trauma that they're going through together like the ayahuasca journeys that they've done together the way that they're together they're going to their places of darkness and shining light on the darkness and healing together as well as also just like having lots of fun and lots of jokes and I was like oh wow there's really something so much more to this relationship than just the sexualization that we see of it and the PDA and you're right you know we will never know what is going on behind closed doors and ultimately that's kind of not what this podcast is about we're not here to like really speculate or even care you know this podcast and the open heart episodes are about breaking down the psychology of what is going on and so I think one of my main questions around the psychology stuff is it seems like taking away the PDA and the sex which you know ultimately yeah If they're having a good time, then who are we to judge? I don't even really have a problem with PDA. So I'm like, yeah, you guys, you guys go for it. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. It's obviously potentially a bit weird with all their kids around. And that's a discussion for another day. But I think my main question for you is putting that aside. It seems like we've seen a major personality shift in Courtney. So when people go into relationships and we start to see these shifts in say identity so we've seen her become this rock chick you know everything's like the bob and the leather trousers and the band t-shirts and again if that makes her happy and she really feels like this is great then all for it but we've also seen changes in her personality so very cold very guarded before kept her relationship very private with Eunice um, kept her relationship fairly private with Scott despite being on a tv program together I think I want to ask when we see people 
just changing so drastically and so dramatically. Is that a cause for concern? What is going on there when people start to show up so differently to who they were before the relationship? We are constantly changing. Hopefully we're constantly evolving. But there is a difference between evolving and unfolding and coming more into alignment and then just taking on the personality or interests of the person that we're dating. And I'm not sure what the case is with Courtney. You know, she's obviously like going into this rocker chick mode and, you know, who cares, right? Like it's not about judgment, but I guess the question I wonder about is who is the real Courtney and is she in touch with her? Because that's the number one thing that we need to make sure in any relationship that we're in, that we are being authentic and true to who we really are. And a lot of times, many of us have this pattern of kind of self-abandoning in a relationship, which means we're more focused on the other person and becoming what they want us to be or taking on all of their interests as opposed to really feeling grounded in who we are and bringing that into the relationship as well. So it can be problematic and also it doesn't have to be. It just depends on the degree to which it's happening. Love this topic of self-abandoning. Let's go into this a little bit deeper. So for me, when I was younger, potentially, you know, in my teens, in my 20s, I would 100% self-abandon when I was dating. And I'm struggling to think of examples here because it feels so long ago. But I just know that when I was dating, I would agree with things that they would say, or I would maybe say, yeah, I love hiking outside when, you know, I really hated hiking outside. Or, you know, they'd be into... I mean, I was going to use Frisbee as an example, but I don't think I could ever actually pretend I was into Frisbee. <laughs> but like, I feel like I would really self-abandon or I would pretend that I'd go to the kinds of places that they went out to. And, you know, I would self-abandon 100%. And now as I've got older and as I'm starting to date again post-breakup, I feel like, you know, particularly with regard to who I am as a person, like I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't take drugs. So if you do those things, it's unlikely that we're going to be super compatible in the long run. Obviously, in moderation is fine. And I think that when I was younger, I would have just not have stood up for what I believe in. And, you know, not even what I believe in. But I just think now I'm like, this is who I am. This is what I've gone through. And actually, that is the perfect example. I have gone through so many things, like the, the things that led me to go and sober, like addictions, exercise addictions, disordered eating, sexual assault. I have gone through, you know, cheating, infidelity. Like I've gone through some really awful things. And I think I historically have been really ashamed of them and I would have kept them quiet. And then since going to therapy, I've shone a light on them and I've worked through all the shame that I hold. And it's really beautiful to just finally accept myself for all the decisions I've made, the bad and the good. So I don't self-abandon anymore. And I'd love to go into that a bit more and just ask you, what is self-abandoning? Why do we do it? Is it because we want to be loved and liked? And if we do self-abandon in relationships or when dating, what can we do about it? Yeah, well, I think there are multiple reasons, but underlying all those reasons is fear, right? Fear that who we actually are is not enough. Fear that if we show up as we actually are, we will be rejected or left or abandoned. 
sometimes we don't even know who we really are because mm-hmm. our coping mechanism has always been to fit in or to people please or to, you know, meet other people's needs. And so we've grown up abandoning ourselves. There are multiple reasons why we do it. And most of us don't even realize we do it as humans we're wired for connection. And what we aren't taught is that connection to ourselves is the key to connection with other people. And so if we're missing that piece, if we haven't built a relationship with us, then when we find somebody who is interested in us or we're interested in them, we'll do everything we can to keep them interested. We've learned that we have to work for love. We have to earn love. We have to keep people happy with us. And that leaves no room for us to check in with us and say, what do I need? How do I feel? We don't even ask ourselves those questions. Mm, Yeah, that is fascinating. And coming back to the boundary piece as well, you know, since I've started to do this work and I started to get to know myself because ultimately without doing the work you are never going to open up the space to ask the right questions to look inwards to work out who you are why you are that way what happened to you who are you now Uh, I think again I was very bad at setting boundaries and I wanted people to like me and I didn't want boundaries to push people away and I think that's why I ended up and I know that so many other women have as well particularly in in sexual situations where you just don't use your voice or you don't say I don't want to be here I don't want to do this and I think you're right when you start to do the work and you stop self-abandoning you also then become more firm and confident in your boundaries and so I think that's a really really beautiful point is that what I think we want people to understand is it's about knowing yourself and holding strong in that not only when you're single, but also when you're looking for a relationship, right? Yeah, I agree. Everybody is always allowed to change their minds. We may feel comfortable with one thing in a certain situation and then not feel comfortable with it in another situation, or we say yes, and then we figure out, oh, it's actually a no. And as we honor ourselves more, as we have more of a connection to ourselves, we're more comfortable saying those things. And going back to Courtney and Travis, if I had them in my office, I would be asking what happens when you're out in the public eye and Courtney or Travis, you're not feeling very sexual or you're mad at each other, or you've just had a bad day. Are you going to honor that and let the relationship be seen for what it really is a real relationship with different layers or are you going to feel pressured to continue this image that you've created? And that's where the real problem comes in because in any relationship, there has to be authenticity. There has to be both people really understanding how they're feeling and setting appropriate boundaries so that the relationship stays aligned and the relationship can't stay aligned. If each person isn't staying aligned with who they are, how they feel, what they want. And if they actually want to say no, they say no. Oh, I love that. And I love that we've just kind of, the first part of the episode there, we've just gone through uh, the importance of authenticity, knowing yourself before getting into a relationship. So I think now we can transition into, okay, so say you've done that. Say you've met yourself, you've got to know yourself, you've found the person that is aligned with you and you transition into the relationship. I think my question for you then is what we're seeing today. And again, so much of this is because of social media. 
But we're seeing a big disconnect between the way that people portray themselves to the outside world versus what's going on behind closed doors. You've just mentioned that with Courtney and Travis, you know, we have no idea what goes on behind closed doors because everything that's put to the outside world is perfect and rose tinted, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And I listened to a very interesting podcast with Alexis Wren, who used to date a guy called Jay Alvarez, and they were probably the first like Insta travel couple who just got millions of followers very quickly. She said that for the last few years of their relationship, it was just absolutely horrendous and, you know, really verging on actually abusive. And it very much was that they were together for the outside world. Now, most people listening to this obviously will not relate to that because we are not celebrities, any of us. So I think my question for you is, we find ourselves staying in these relationships and perhaps we feel like we have to do it because we've been together for a really long time or perhaps we feel like we're doing something for the families around us or perhaps we're doing something because we want everyone to think that we're successful at keeping a relationship together. What are your thoughts on that and transitioning into being in a relationship and, you know, over time, shit gets difficult? Yes, shit gets difficult. And you have to figure out if you're with a person that's willing to do the work and the work is going to make an impact. You can go to couples therapy for years, but if both people aren't willing to really look at themselves and own their part, nothing's going to change. So if you feel like you're the one putting in the effort and it's not being reciprocated, many people will still stay. And you're talking about these secondary reasons that we stay, these fear-based reasons. I don't want to be a divorced person. What will my friends and family think? My children? All these reasons that we have to stay in a relationship that is no longer feeling aligned, that is no longer contributing to our happiness or our growth, that isn't a relationship that is helping us evolve as a person. And what I want to say to that is our job is always to make sure that we are aligned, right? Like we can speak our truth. We can express our feelings. We can give and receive love and we're happy and peaceful and relationships take work. So there'll be rocky parts, but if you're in a relationship that just isn't working and hasn't worked for a while, what I will say is if you stay in that relationship, you are blocking your own highest path. And that's really, you know, what, what we're all aiming for is when we are with people that want to grow with us and are willing to look at themselves and we're willing to look at ourselves and work through challenges, then we continue on this highest path. But if we're staying in a relationship because simply because we're afraid to leave it, or we don't want to let go, then, you know, in, in a lot of ways we are stuck. Mm. And we're out of alignment with ourselves. And many of us stay that way for a very long time until we get the courage to let go and, and do the harder thing, which is to let go of the relationship. So Courtney and Travis, when they finally leave the honeymoon period, okay, again, I can't talk from experience here because I have yet to have a relationship where you know, it's gone past three or four years. Like I always hit a roadblock. They obviously weren't the right person. Things start to deteriorate. Like the sex starts to slow down. We become more friendly. My eye starts to wander. Their eye starts to wander, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. Let's talk practical tips. So 
when you start to move into, you know, okay, this is life now. We're not having sex 100 times a day. We're not doing X, Y, Z that Courtney and Travis are. What should couples be doing? What does even a healthy, long-term, forever relationship look like? Such a great question because most people don't have a, a clear idea of that. And that's a lot of what I talk about and teach. So some of the main things are a relationship can only be as healthy as the unhealthiest member, right? So first and foremost, you need to be taking care of your own alignment, doing things that make you feel good, you know, taking care of your health, setting good boundaries, speaking your truth, and hopefully your partner is doing that too, right? Communication is one of the most important things in a relationship. If you are able to really be honest with each other and say how you feel, and the relationship can hold that, the chances of that relationship continuing and growing are much better than if you feel like you're walking around on eggshells and you can't fully express yourself. And what about if the person that you're in a relationship just can't hold that emotional space for you? So say you start to transition out of the honeymoon period and you get to a point where you're trying to say, okay, this upsets me. This doesn't work for me. Can we talk about it, you know, calmly, et cetera, et cetera. If they can't have those conversations, if your communication styles don't match, where do you go from there? Is it about trying to teach them and you to communicate better? Or is it that ultimately you will find this person is just not right for me? Like they are not able to hold this space for me. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's not your job to teach them anything. first of all, nobody's going to be taught unless they want to learn. Right. So your job is just to set a boundary and say, I I can't be in a relationship or I'm not being heard and I can't have my feelings. So I would suggest couples therapy. And if your partner refuses to go to couples therapy, that's the beginning of the end. That will tell you everything you need to know. I feel very seen by you saying that it's not normal to teach your partner, because I feel like I have literally taught, molded, like every partner I've ever been with from these, like, not all of them, there was one that was lovely and didn't require it. But like the vast majority was me being like, you can't behave like that. That is unacceptable. When you do this, this is not okay. You need to do this instead. And now I look back and, and I know we've spoken about this in past episodes. It's about how I feel that I'm the one that has to put in the work. But whenever you say things like that, I'm like, oh, wow. So there's relationships out there where the partner or the man doesn't need to be taught. Wow. Yes. Grown men who are healthy and understand what it means to be a good partner. Do they exist? Yes. Yes. When I give you your relationship reading, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do to level up to that field of men. Okay, I can't wait to do that. For everyone listening, the last episode of series two is going to be a relationship reading where Dr. Terry (laughs) tells me to pieces and tells me all the things that I'm doing wrong. No, I'm joking. Um, We are going to look into who I am, why I am that way and what work I need to do. But yeah, that's fascinating that you don't need to be teaching people how to emotionally connect. No. I'm obviously choosing partners that cannot do it because that's why I think that it needs to be taught. So that's very interesting. Yes. There needs to be mutual respect 
And you both need to continue just like you do in the honeymoon phase to look for the good in the other person. When we move from the honeymoon phase into the other parts of relationships that, you know, like you said, you're not having sex all the time. It's not about just the two of you. You start tending to other parts of your life more. You need to continue to see each other, to look for the good in each other, to appreciate each other. All those things that felt so good in the beginning, you need to continue to do that. Yeah. It's so often as you move into those other parts of a relationship, we start getting very self-focused and like, what is he or she doing for me? What are they not doing for me? Instead of, you know, giving love. And, you know, if we're in alignment, the most important thing is you're, you're focused on yourself and making sure you're balanced and good and aligned then you won't have those fears. You'll know if something is wrong, you, but you won't be creating problems in your head to have fights about. Oh. So you want to be looking for the good and giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. And if something's bothering you, talk about it. Communication is so important. Yeah, I love that. And just tie back to the identity point. So it's interesting now I understand that, okay, if you change your identity for someone in the honeymoon period... And then the honeymoon period wears off, you then might be finding yourself thinking, well, who am I? For the people that potentially get lost in the relationship and lose their identity, you know, we see a lot of people going through divorce and then we see them saying, I just don't know who I am anymore. Like I've lost myself in this relationship or I've lost myself as a mother or as a father. I don't get any time for myself, et cetera, et cetera. I have this eight vision, which might be very unrealistic, but I love to think that with my future partner, we would just check in every week and be like, what was great this week? What did I do that made you happy? Or what did you do this week that was happy? You know, even if it's not relationship related and vice versa, you know, what did we not work through very well? Or, and on top of that, what are we not saying? Because sometimes I think it's the things that we don't say that Mm. build up the most. Mm. Do you think that, that's reasonable do you think it's about keeping that communication going and do you see that when the communication breaks down is often when people come to your office because they're either not communicating properly or they're not communicating at all yes yeah people usually come to couples therapy when there's a problem or an issue that's been happening for a while they don't come preventatively which would be amazing but yeah I think like a weekly check-in can totally work if communication is something that doesn't come naturally to one or both people, then having something in place like that, I think is a great idea. I love that. And what about keeping the romance alive? You know, I just can't even imagine being with someone for like 20 or 30 years. And I'm obviously hoping that it's going to be possible, but it's something that I have no idea how I'm going to do. And I think maybe some other people out there feel like that too. You know, of course, it's going to happen with Courtney and Travis too. Mm-hmm. Even the most sexual and love and lust filled relationships at the beginning will calm down over time. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like keeping the romance alive, like the sex, the intimacy, you know, I think it's very easy just to transition into something that is loving, mm-hmm. but not super passionate over time. And maybe that's normal. But what do you do when you see people coming in and they're kind of missing that part of the relationship? a few things. So one, it always goes back to what I said before that feeling seen and appreciated couples 
who don't feel seen or people in relationships who don't feel seen or appreciated, you know, they don't feel desired. They don't feel desire. So making sure that you're really mirroring back to your partner, what you appreciate about them, what you find attractive about them. And then, you know, men are more physical, visual, and women are more emotional. I mean, it's not hundred percent that way, but so the emotional part is really being spoken to through that appreciation and mirroring and all of that. And also, you know, like trying new things in bed and communicating about, yeah. you know, what are you open to trying and what do you need more of? And do you feel like our sex life is boring? If you have that foundation of friendship, you can talk about anything. You can talk about the reality of the relationship. The reality of the relationship is not always going to be pretty. It should always be respectful, but it's not always going to be exciting and, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And you got to talk about that. The relationship needs to be able to hold the truth. And so for the people that feel like they're getting lost in that partnership, you know, I think that often it becomes Courtney and Travis rather than just Courtney, for example. So when you see people coming into your office doing that, and I've been guilty of it, like I for sure have sacrificed, you know, particularly when I was younger, but I really, really sacrificed my friends every time I fell in love. Mm -hmm. Is it really important to keep, you know, some element of your own personal life outside of the relationship? Why is that? Does it come back to the self-identity piece? Like, who are you? What do you enjoy? What lights you up? And you know, perhaps sometimes you might not get that all in your relationship. Like my dad plays golf all the time. It's his biggest passion in the world, but like my mom doesn't play golf. So, you know, there is an element that you're not always going to find someone that has all the same interests as you. How does that play out in practice? Yeah, I think it's good to have, you know, separate friendships, separate hobbies. You need to have your sense of self in the relationship. If you don't, it becomes a very codependent relationship where you have to be together all the time and you kind of lose your own identity. And that's not sexy over time. That is not going to keep the spark burning. You're not going to have any time to miss each other. And you're not going to have that connection to yourself, which is the most important part. If you want a long-term relationship, you have to make sure that you're nurturing a relationship with yourself too. And your partner should support that super interesting about just understanding this piece of how important it is to know yourself in a relationship know yourself outside of a relationship the importance of communicating in a relationship both at the beginning as you start to meet them as you're going through the honeymoon phase you know whilst this is so sexual let's also make sure we're working on what are your values what's important to you how do you want this relationship to go because I've been there before when you just get so caught up in the physical and the chemistry and the sex but when it finally starts to slow down, you're like, we're actually quite incompatible, like life compatible. So I love that. And then I also love the kind of actionable tips and tricks you've given with regard to once you are in the relationship, the importance of communication. Absolute genius. And you give me hope that uh, it's possible. I can do a long, long, long-term relationship without getting A, hella bored, or B, it just breaking down over time. So Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I'm sure everyone out there does as well. And I will see you next episode. 